Alright, welcome to the latest edition. Early February, my parents visited Los Angeles just to get out of the cold. If you don't know by now, I'm from New York City. My parents still live there. Like, I'm not one of the, you know, fake New Yorkers like, oh, you live there or you were born there and then you moved somewhere else. I was born in New York, lived in New York until age 18, went to college in Florida, came back home, lived in New York from age 23 to 26, 26 to approximately 32, I lived in Philadelphia, and because the logic there is couldn't really afford to move out of my parents' crib, Philly is only two hours away, and it's half the cost of living from New York, so I did made that move for a little while. And then somehow I wound up in Los Angeles because the woman I'm married to, she's from here. We did a long distance relationship for a year. She didn't want to move. Somebody had to move. So I made that move. Like I never envisioned myself living in Los Angeles. It wasn't, it was never really an ideal situation for myself. It was never really something I aspired to do. Like a lot of people dream of moving to LA or moving to New York I already lived in New York I'm from New York so it's not really like I'm kind of over the big city thing but then I moved to Los Angeles just as a almost because I was forced to you know if the woman I married was in Wyoming I would be living in Wyoming right now so it it was just kind of luck and fate that I live in Los Angeles like I'm not one of the people that are obsessed with Oh, I gotta move to LA. Oh, I gotta move to LA. LA, LA, LA. There, there are people in this world that are just LA, LA, LA is the coolest. I mean, it's a cool city, but like it's a dope city. I don't have anything bad to say about it. Uh, and I've, you know, I've made some professional strides while I've, you know, been out here. But it's all been the sake of just kind of luck, fate landing me out here. Like I'm, just, my point is, this was not a dream of mine. Okay, I'm not one of those L.A., L.A., L.A. obsessed people. Anyway, my parents visited recently, and if you listen to my other show, Going Radio, like, I don't, I talk about my personal life, but I don't really talk about my parents a whole lot. Uh, You know, it's just my life. Like, they raised me and everything, but I talk about my life on that show. What can I say about my parents? I mean, they're, as you'll hear on the show, they're largely responsible for my love of music, my obsession with music. My mom is a retired school teacher. She does a lot of shit, but a retired school teacher slash great photographer, but um, like her hustle as a photographer, it didn't really pay off to my knowledge until like after she retired but she's been just a photographer you know since she was a little girl but a music lover nonetheless my dad is a retired executive like it's hard for me to put into words what he did but he was an executive at the other big publishing company if you're familiar with the music business and how it works there are two large publishing companies you know in everybody's liner notes like if, if you're on a major record deal 
for the most part. Everybody's liner notes has one of these two companies, either BMI or the company my dad worked for. Okay, that was his first professional job out of college. He applied from a newspaper ad. He got the job in like the 70s. He was there like almost 40 years and he left as an executive like a bigwig. I mean, to me he's just always been dad. So and like we didn't we never really talked. We never really talked at length about like what his job was and what it entailed. So he just came home and he was dad to me. Um but from my understanding and uh, once I kind of saw like a, a tax return form and or like a pay stub or something, he made bank. I'm not going to say numbers and everything, but he made bank. But again, he I mean, he, you could say he was a provider for the family, but he wasn't. He's not like really a materialistic dude. So I don't know what he did with him. I mean, he probably stacked his money. I don't, I don't you know, all of that is not really my business. But, uh, like, he doesn't have any expensive materialistic habits as far as I know. But my point is he made bank, but on the side of having that job, he's always been a musician, you know, performing, like, playing the saxophone uh, at night, like, at, at different gigs, like, since I was a, a child. Uh, there's a picture of me when I was, like, three. I ran from my mother's lap on stage with my dad and I had like a toy saxophone and I was like playing it while he played his saxophone and I guess you know since a little kid I always wanted to be like my dad but my dad is largely responsible for well before I get to that let me say that uh, the my dad being a musician my mom being a photographer this is how I kind of wound up being a journalist slash podcaster or whatever you want to call it like all of that creativity was in my blood and you know it just manifested into me being a journalist and or a a journalist and a podcaster just all of this creative energy from my dad being a musician mom being a photographer and when I have kids they're probably going to do something creative because it's just in their bloodstream anyway so my dad was largely responsible, as you're here on the show, for if you know me from the internet or you know me being obsessed with hip hop or whatever you want to call it or music in general, my dad played a big part in that. Uh, from his job, I mean, like it seems like unconsciously he played a big role in that because on the show, like when I interviewed him, he said like he didn't even realize that was what was going to happen. But he would bring me home tapes, like, uh, from his job. He'd bring me home the Fat Boys tape. The Fat Boys tape was cool, but, uh, the one tape he brought me, and I was, like, age four, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm gonna love hip-hop for the rest of my life. Uh, it was a tape of, like, all of the Roxanne songs. And it was, like, a compilation. It might have been even a bootleg compilation of all of the, the Roxanne songs. Uh, it was, like, you know... The big ones were UTFO Roxanne, uh, Roxanne's Revenge, but then it was like a whole tape of like everybody's perspective of the Roxanne song. So like if you, basically the the version back then of that, how that would, you know, an example or an analogy for today's music scene. If somebody drops 
a good song or, you know, so on and so forth. And everybody bites and has a freestyle over that beat. Back then, everybody was making all of these damn Roxanne records. But when I heard Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO, I mean, they were rhyming in Pig Latin. They were... And I was just like, holy shit. Like, I, I understood the story, like, at age four or whatever, and what they were saying. They were talking about a girl. But the way they were breaking it down, it's incredible. Like, go hear, UT, go hear UTFO Roxanne Roxanne if you never have. Like, that shit is still ahead of its time. Or, like, the, the way they were flowing and the way, that, the way that they were rapping, that shit is very far ahead of its time. And then Roxanne, Shantae came back, and I was like, yes. I'm going to be obsessed with hip-hop forever. So, uh, fast forward to me being obsessed with hip-hop. I mean, it's the whole... Like, jazz was the music of my dad's childhood. Fast forward, I'm obsessed with hip-hop today. Okay? As in the infamous words of Q-Tip, back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager... You can find the abstract listening to hip-hop. My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles the way that Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael? It's all expected. Things are for the looking. If you got the money, quest is for the booking. I'm not going to recite the rest of that song, but uh, if you've never heard Excursions by Tropical Quest, it's the opening song on the low-end theory and... Basically, it was very interesting to me how Q-Tip had a conversation with his father where his father was saying, like, hip-hop is a continuation of jazz. And my dad on this show basically said hip-hop was a continuation of jazz. So it's all, like, coming full circle. The music I love and the elders, you know, imparting their wisdom. And I don't know. I don't know what kind of numbers this show will do, but... You get to listen to older people, my mom and dad, talk about their love of music. And that's what we do on this show. This this is what Thursday Throwbacks is about. And if you're used to me being all, you know, hyper and or, you know, I kind of toned it down greatly because my parents don't know my Internet. I don't think I have an Internet persona, but my parents don't know the side of my personality that kind of manifests more on the internet where I'm more vocal. So they know me as the more reserved. They know me as their son. You know, as their son, basically. And so on and so forth. I mean, they, they kind of know that I'm a little bit funny and that I have a funny bone and things like that. But they don't know how much I talk on the internet and how vibrant and like that I can really go in if I need to. So I turned it down. So if you're used to just... You know, me being all hyperactive and whatnot. I toned it down greatly on this show, but with no further ado, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. Peace. Alright, I'm here with my mom and dad. Uh sorry dad, you didn't you didn't know that we were doing this. Uh but I heard mention of of some some kind of interview and uh Alright. Okay. Hello so, there. <laughs> so just uh, project your voices a little bit. Um I I would say that I'm up fan i'm a pretty big fan of music and i kind of got that from you know you guys um so i wanted to interview you guys while you were in town so like i guess to start uh both of you like well i'll start with that um i get the sense that like i was always young so i, I didn't really know the whole 
you know, the background and everything. But I get the sense that, that jazz was the music of your childhood as a product of my grandfather being in the jazz a lot. Well, jazz was a big part of my, my upbringing, uh, but it, it wasn't the only thing. Um, when I grew up, uh, we were exposed to a wide variety of music, uh, uh, particularly from uh, television and radio. Um, when I was growing up, um, we were exposed to a lot of, um, um, you know, mainstream America American music, uh, um, there wasn't as much uh, cultural diversity on on, uh, on TV. You didn't you didn't hear uh, uh, you didn't see too many uh, black people on TV. And then you know like uh, when when they did, you know like uh, everybody in the neighborhood got a, got really excited. There's colored people on TV. <laughs> you know, they would call each other. Uh, but um, you know some of the music. Um, uh, aside, yes, jazz. My father was was a, a big uh, jazz fan and, and a big fan of some of some of the great jazz musicians, uh, Duke Ellington, Coleman Hawkins, uh, and a lot of other um, musicians, particularly saxophone players. Uh, you know, he, he was a big big fan of uh, some of the, the great jazz saxophonists. So I, I got a chance to, to listen to all that, and uh, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed uh, you know dancing around when I was a little baby, day da- dancing around uh, the living room uh, when my father play, played those records. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, like I was saying, TV um, shows like the Ed Sullivan Show and uh, Ted Mack's Original Amateur Hour. Do you remember that, Deb? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that that was like a, a uh, amateur show that that, that sh- showed what, what a lot of other people were doing in the country, you know, country western and uh, uh, all kind of all kind of uh, music that was popular to to a lot of other folks. Okay. And and when I w- and then and later on when I went to school, uh, uh, playing in uh, school bands and things like that, I was exposed to a lot of other music. And then you wound up becoming a musician yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. When I, when I was in the fourth grade, I uh, uh, got a chance to start playing saxophone and had a you know very good um, teacher you know throughout the, uh, throughout bands. Uh, you know, I had the same teacher. I started from elementary school through. Um, junior high school and high school. His name was uh, Durrell Blank, and he was uh-huh. a music director. Uh, uh, so th- think, thinking back, I, I'm really uh, in, indebted to him for uh, teaching me how to play and, uh, and motivating me to, 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 to play some music. Now you, you, I recently heard a story where the bassist, uh, Ron Carter, he wound up being like your substitute teacher. Yeah, and like I knew him from uh, this album by a tribe called Quest called The Low End Theory. He played on that album. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, you, he was like your substitute teacher one day. Yeah, one day. Um, Ron Carter, um, as you know, uh, he, he's a very, very um, great jazz um, bass player, and uh, he's uh, known particularly for uh, playing with uh, the Miles Davis uh, quintet uh, back in the '60s. And um, 
and yeah, there, there was one time where he um, came in as a substitute teacher for uh, in, in uh, one day in high school, and uh, uh, you know we were very surprised. We didn't know anything about him, but we saw this very tall man who reminded me of like a basketball player, like Will, Will Chamberlain or, or, or someone who came in and uh, the, uh, uh, the teachers who were knowledgeable of him and, and they were very excited that, that he was there. And uh, so that, that, was, uh, that was interesting. And then years later on, I really found out who he was. Okay. So mom, what was some of the um, music that you kind of grew up on in your household? In my house, my mother listened to Dinah Washington, and because my father was in the Air Force during school breaks longer than two days, we were in the city, New York City from Long Island, and we used to go in the back room and listen to the radio, and we would hear, listen to um, WWRL, which back in the 60s had classic soul music James Brown Wilson Pickett Diana Ross and the Supremes I was lucky maybe at eight or nine years old my mother took me and my older sister and older brother to the Apollo Theater to hear Sam and Dave and I was hooked on live music from there my grandmother got me a ticket to see Stevie Wonder in 1972 at Madison Square Garden and your father and I met when we were in undergrad and I remember he took me to Central Park for a midnight show to hear someone named Cecil Taylor so I had an introduction to jazz that way um, he had some vinyl that we used to listen to oh I have a very vast background. I used to go to Schaefer Music Festival was a concert series in Central Park in the summertime when it was $3 and $1.50. And I got to hear like a lot of African American artists. I used to go down to Greenwich Village to the bottom line and go to clubs and hear music. A lot of free stuff in the summertime. So basically, that's my background. When you were born, we took you to all the shows. We took you to see... A lot of people that passed away. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, James Brown, Wilson Pickett. Dad, just Patty LaBelle. you told a story about me seeing Miles Davis or something? Yeah. Um, Did we take you to... Mil Mil yes, we took you to the Millipede to hear Miles Davis and Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson in 1988. Yes, you saw Michael Jackson at the Apollo. I'm sorry, Madison, Madison Square Garden. Garden. Mm -hmm. Smokey Robinson. We still have that. Uh, we still have a cassette tape where we we can hear. I think you were about three or four years old, and and we, we can hear your voice on 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 the cassette. We used to roll you in the summertime to Jazzmobiles, all over Manhattan, all over the city. I remember Jazzmobiles. You learned to clap. Your first clap was at a jazzmobile. You took your first steps in Lincoln Center at a jazz concert. Count Basie. 
wasn't that? I'm not sure if it was Count Basie. Okay. And then, um, so I guess what were the 70s like? I know you were kind of in the uh, roller skating. A little bit, a little bit, just a little bit. But the 70s is where I had a little job and had my own money. I saw Earth, Wind & Fire. I saw Stevie Wonder. I saw Shaka Khan with Rufus before she broke away to do a solo act. I just used to go to shows because it was easier to go to shows and be entertained than hang out with people who were doing the wrong thing. I saw Roberta Flack and Richard Pryor. Okay. And then I guess when when I came along, Dad, you were kind of... We've never really discussed this, but you were kind of uh, responsible for me, I guess becoming into hip-hop slash rap music like you were bringing me yeah. home tapes from your job and like did did uh-huh. you did you get a sense that that was going to be like the next big thing because this was the early 80s like way before it is what it what it is today so yeah, well, like did you get a sense that that was going to be like the music of my generation or uh at that time no i i really didn't didn't uh, think of it that way. It was just uh, some new developments in music and that, that, that I <coughs> recognized uh, had some of the uh, creativity and innovation um, that, that um, has been long associated with jazz. And, 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 but but uh, at that point, uh, I realized that, that um, it goes beyond the, the, the categories of, uh, you know, that, that people place on on music, you know, the, of different genres, you know, it doesn't really, it really matter whether it's uh, uh, jazz, uh, soul music, R&B, uh, hip-hop, jazz, uh, you know, rhythm, blues, or whatever. I mean, you know, creativity is uh, is always important, and, and, and I heard some of this in some of the, uh, the, the early uh, uh, hip-hop stuff that we, we was coming out there, you know. Um, uh, you know, run, run, run DMC and uh, uh, Houdini. Huh? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so 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 I, you know, I um, at my job I got a, a chance to get exposed to a wide variety of music too, and and uh, so I was listening to a lot of that stuff, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you took an interest to, in it too. Yeah. Um. So uh, and there's some story you told me about. Uh, some jazz slash rap thing we went to downtown when I was like ah. two or three years old, and you told me <laughs> okay. And I pointed uh, out yeah, somebody that, that, that was a, a, a um, yeah that was a special event at uh, the, there's a place down in in Soho called the, the Kitchen, and it was a special event uh, that that had some of the the um, the, uh, the innovators of uh, uh, hip hop the, the break break dancers and. Um, uh, Along with, uh, uh, you know, sorts of people who were scratching, and, and it also featured the great um, um, drummer Max Roach. Um, you know, Max Roach, uh, he's a great, you know, innovator in uh, jazz. He, f- he first came to prominence uh, back with uh, Charlie Parker, and uh, uh, back in the in the forties and fifties, and uh, and since that time he. Did, did a whole lot of uh, 
marvelous things with, with a whole lot of musicians, and this was something that that he did along with some some hip hop musicians, and um, you know, uh, uh, and that was a chance where you met. Um, Fab Five Freddy. Fab Five Freddy, and I was like, what, age three or two? You were two? About three, three years old, and 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 and, uh, and I knew he was. And uh, I think you were, you know, and this is before he hit MTV. And, yep. uh, uh What else was he involved in? Uh, MTV. He was in a movie. I, I don't think Crush Groove was his movie. Uh, the other, the other big movie. Crush Groove was the movie about basically about Def Jam Records. Mm-hmm. The other uh, big movie that features uh, like all the the break dancers and the rappers in it. Breaking Boogaloo. Uh, no, <laughs> it wasn't Breaking. It wasn't Crush Groove. The other one, uh, maybe Beach Street. Was there a movie called Beach Street? Beach Street. Uh, yeah, there was a movie Beach Street. Uh-huh. Okay, that might have been the movie uh, Fat Five Freddy had a lot to deal with. Uh huh. Um. I mean, yeah, somehow I know who he was at age three. Yeah, when you met him, yeah, you're Freddie. Yeah, you, 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 you um, we met him, and then, then you wanted to hang out with him for, for a while. You know, like uh, we were going home, and you would, I want to see Freddie. I wanted to hang out with Fat Five <laughs> Freddie. Okay, so um, I guess, and then in the 80s, Mom, you and my uncles, my two uncles became uh, big Prince fans. Uh, Huge. What was Huge. what was it like when he? I guess, like, what was it about his music that made you guys such big fans? Or like, you know, it was different. It was original. Uh, he was new on the scene. For me, he was pleasant to look at, and um, just had a sound that I liked. Okay. Um, so, Dad, one of your favorite uh, musicians is Miles Davis, and mm-hmm. uh, he passed on your birthday, unfortunately, one year. But um, the other day, you were talking with uh, you were at a vinyl store talking about uh, your favorite era of his. Like, what? Which mm-hmm. era was that? Uh, I think I was talking about the the uh, the, the, the early seventies, um, uh, where he de- developed that that that. Uh, Electronic sound. You know, he had a, a um, big, big album um, called "Bitches Brew," and um, that that was like the, uh, you know, that 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 was like like the the, the, the high point of, of that music. And, but but since, since that time, uh, after that, in the, the the few years that came out, I think in nineteen seventy, and um, so the years following that, uh, I, I was very very interested in. I, I saw him from. Uh, for the first time in 1970 at the Fillmore East down in, down in the uh, Greenwich Village in the East Village and uh, I got a chance to see him uh, several, several concerts in the, in, in the next four or five years uh, to, until 19, I think around 1976 uh, he uh, took a hiatus he you know didn't didn't perform, uh, you know, was hardly ever seen in, in, in uh, you know, in, in person, and then then he came back out um, in the eighties, and that that's uh, that's where we started seeing him again in concerts. Okay, so I don't, I don't know that much about his music, but where would you recommend like people start 
like with his stuff, like if they want to get an understanding. Oh well, of, if they can really get an understanding, I mean, you have to go way, way back to his his, his beginnings with. Um, uh, he was a sideman with uh, the great Charlie Parker, and uh, you know, it might be interesting for people to, to hear, hear, hear those uh, records that, that he uh, recorded with Charlie Parker. And then, then after that, uh, when he, went, he got out on his own, there's um, um, a re recording session that, that he um, put together called Birth of the Cool, where uh, he um, got a group of about eight or nine people and had different instrumentations that... that uh, uh, people didn't use usually hear in jazz. You know, he had tubas and French horns and uh, uh, different kind of harmonies with with with, with, with the the, uh, the the instruments, and uh, it was a a soft sound, and 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 it went along with that 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 uh, kind of ethic that 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 people were having of uh, you know like um, music was. Uh, had a, a cool sound as as compared to the you know the real hard swinging stuff that that uh, preceded it and then later on you know like uh, people went back to uh, something that that, that uh, a lot of people uh, labeled as hard bop and uh, you know then the, the, there was soul jazz and all, all, all kind of other different sounds but but Miles went through through all that and. Uh, there's so, so so much music that that, that, that he did. He, the, the the great um, quintet that he had in the, the, the early '60s with uh, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, as you said, uh, Tony Williams, and uh, Wayne Shorter. There was a whole whole lot of music that that uh, that group did. It was uh, really fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's a whole lot of whole lot of that stuff. Okay, so when you say soul jazz, I know that. Uh, Roy Ayers is one of my favorite jazz musicians. Was that like similar? The, the kind of feeling that um, uh, there was another um, um, Horace Silver, for instance, uh, had uh, uh, he was playing some real swing and stuff that that, that really had a you know, like a sort of a, like, like a, a deep uh, down home gospel kind of sound to it, and uh, uh, even similar to to uh, Ray, Ray Charles and. Uh, um, so they, they were the, the first uh, innovators of uh, soul, soul jazz and then uh, uh, Roy Ayers as you said uh, uh, yeah I, I guess maybe some, some people can, 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 can put that, that, that kind of uh, label on, on his, his music I mean his, his, his music was uh, uh, I mean later on he Lean towards a mixture of jazz and uh, you know the uh, like the soul ry rhythm and blues kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. And, 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 and people have uh, he's very popular uh, as far as a source of sampling. You know, people, a lot of a lot of people uh, sample his music in that 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 style. Okay. So the 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 main format of the show that my wife and I do is we have people talk about, the, like, people pick, I guess, one of their, and it, this might not be easy, but one of their favorite uh, albums, any genre, and they discuss them at length. So you can pick pretty much any album and just talk a little bit about it. One? Okay, on my way back to California yesterday, 
gotta say it was Donny Hathaway, the best of or Donny Hathaway's hits. I was really, really moved by Donny Hathaway's voice, his writing, the uh, duets he did with Roberta Flack, but just the single stuff he did. Uh, Alvin Ailey also choreographed a piece for Dudley Williams, a song for you. And it's a very beautiful tune that Carmen McRae, Aretha Franklin, The Temptations have all covered. So if I could only pick one album, it would be Donny Hathaway. Just what, his greatest hits or something? His um, greatest hits, um, Donny Hathaway Live, something like that, yeah. Okay, and if you had to pick a song to play? If I had to pick... A song to play, like I'm going to play it on the show. A song for you.
so tired I love you for my life You're a friend of mine And when my life is over Remember when we were together We were alone And I was singing this song to you or time I love you for my life You're a friend of mine And when my life is over Remember when we were together We were alone and I was singing this song Singing this song to you. We were alone, and I was singing this song. Mm Yeah, one of your favorite well, albums. No, that that that's kind of hard for me to pick uh, one 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 particular album. But right now, I'm, I'm thinking of um, an album that's had had um, that I'm I'm very impressed with, and it's had a lot of impact uh, for a lot of people. Um, I'm thinking about that because of the T-shirt your mom is wearing, um, "Songs in the Key of Life" by Stevie Wonder. Uh, that that I I'm, I'm really feeling it was was really dynamic album as far as showcasing the the, 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 you know, the breadth of his feeling you know I mean you know there's a wide variety of, uh, of different uh, uh, you know different pieces on it um, you know uh, the, uh, the Sir Duke and as that's on there right mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, and that the, the kind of uh, jazz fusion thing, con- uh, instrumental contu- contusion, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. one of my, my uh, and uh, what, uh, have a talk with God. Is that mm-hmm. yeah? yeah. Today, lead them to conclude that for them life. 
is an answer And if yours you cannot find You should talk it over to him He'll give you peace of mind When you feel your life's too hard Just go have a talk with There's a whole lot to that album that that's really deep. And uh, oh, when the album first came out, though, it, it had a, a little 45 along with it. And uh, one of my favorite pieces was on the 45. Saturn, you know the song Saturn by Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you gotta you gotta, you gotta hear that. Now, I, I, I like that one. If I were to pick a song that influenced my life, my career, my development something that made me say wow it would have to be Nina Simone Young Gifted in Black because mm-hmm. when that came out and I heard it Donny Hathaway also did it but when I heard Nina Simone singing it, it was like whoa I can't I just got a whole new sense of being when I heard that like I could do something I could be something I could go somewhere Listen, and I also want to talk about a friend who uh, I miss more and more every day, every day. It seems that she comes alive more and more every day for there are all kinds of things written about her each day more and more. And I'm talking about Lorraine Hansberry. In this month's Esquire, you will find two articles about her. And, of course, you know uh, who, she, who she is. Mm-hmm. Did that. <laughs> and there is a play downtown, at least it was when we left, 
called to be young, gifted. It's still there. And, uh, and it's called to be young, gifted, and black. It's a story of her life. And, um, and we, Weldon Irvin and I, got together and composed a tune um, in memory of her. And um, I think that very soon now, maybe four, six, four or five weeks, I won't be able to sing it anymore. For each time I do it, she comes a little closer and I miss her a little bit more. So for her, for she's here with us and she approves. To be young, gifted, and black, and we invite the swordsman. Did you enjoy them? <laughs> to come back on stage and help us do this song for you. By the way, it is our last, last, uh, our latest song. It's on 45. Uh, um, R.C.A. Victor. Now, it is not addressed uh, primarily to white people, though it does not put you down in any way. It simply ignores you. <laughs> For my people need all the inspiration and love that they can get. So... So since this house is full and there are 22 million blacks in this country, I only want one million to buy this record. You understand? To be young, gifted and black.
song for me Black cloud Hanging over Nest your bosom Strong and free Make us free From exploitation and strife Cause nothing Is more precious than life Oh 
Okay. So I'm going to play those songs for the show, and I, I thank you guys uh, for participating in this, and I'll be sure to send it to you uh, when, as soon as it's up. Okay. You're very welcome. Don't thank, forget. Thank you. Also, don't forget that your dad took you to a photo shoot with the Anthony oh. Barboza. <laughs> with, uh, I think you were two. Maybe three, and you had a plastic saxophone. You're about three years old. Have you seen that picture? Isn't it? It's hanging in our house. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's hanging up on the wall. Yeah, Yeah. but but, uh, uh, if you get a chance to to, uh, uh, look, you might find a a copy of it on on the internet or something and try to uh, uh, identify and get get familiar with some some of the other people that were there with us. Uh, I I really don't know uh, why I was there. Um, <laughs> you were invited. Yeah, I was invited, but but uh, the, the musicians that I was surrounded with were, are, are, you know, there's so so many great, fantastic musicians that that, that uh, were there, and uh, a lot of them are not around anymore. But uh, if we go go back and uh, get familiar with them, uh, you know, you can maybe appreciate uh, the fact that we were there. I will. I'll go look into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you guys again. Okay. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right. I'm signing off. <laughs>